everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Crime and Coffee Couple. My name's Allison. And my name's Mike. Hello, Mike. Hey, um, I was looking at some of our past video recordings, and I noticed that I kind of awkwardly look away from the camera, like I'm kind of looking over here. So people might think I'm a... <laughs> kind of awkward and um so yeah go ahead and look back the last two or three episodes and you'll see me like talking and like looking over here at nothing there's like no weird yeah yeah it's kind of interesting so um but besides that i'm feeling pretty good good yeah Yeah. we had a nice family dinner at the cheesecake factory we sure did and real quick uh let's talk about the elephant in the room i apologize if allison seems a little perturbed because i broke wind (laughs) right before this episode no you broke more than wind (laughs) Wind. Well, it's interesting because you're laughing a lot more now than you were about <laughs> oh, three minutes ago. It was more like you broke tornado <laughs> in the tiny office that we record in. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, I ran out after I did it, so it followed. It freaking. You know a-hole. how it stays in your shorts, and then I. I don't. Nobody wants to hear about how your wind stays in your shorts. <laughs> well, I think I did a great job of keeping it out. So. And disrespectful and rude. Oh man, you should have seen her. I wish I was recording. Oh, I was so pissed off. She was like, "Why the f would you do that?" And I agree. I shouldn't have, but it's it was so just, stupid. Well, here you go, kids. As you get older, you know, I'm 43 now, so things are just yeah, they happen in your body. No, they do not just happen <laughs> in your body. You're not 80 fucking five years old. I can't wait till I'm old enough, like older, like 70 or 80, where I could just walk and just go ahead and let it all go. You know, I mean, you'll be, we'll be walking in our neighborhood and you're ripping ass, and I'm like, <laughs> what the f is wrong with you? I'm like, you're not like a senile old man, <laughs> asshole. <laughs> Oh, man, I'm treated so well. I don't know why I don't stray. You know, I know why I don't stray now because I'm you got the so goods well. right here. <laughs> sure, yeah, you sure know do. where your bread is buttered. That's right. That's right. Um, so, yeah, we did go to the Cheesecake Factory. This is the first time we've been out to dinner outside of like vacations in like we th- said about six months or so. <laughs> Probably. We told our kids, we we're like, we are going to do this at least once a month because it's so nice. Yeah, and it is. Our kid was like, uh, don't we do it every month? We're like, no, no, we haven't done this in six months. It, well, we know it was that long ago because they were picking out their school shoes. So it was oh. like August. Yeah. So it was uh, it was nice. It was nice to get out. Yeah. You know, the, uh, the boy, the teenage boy, he's uh, it was a lot more fun and bubbly and all that stuff. He didn't just like take his food and house it down and then run into his room to play his his video games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're just more kind of homebodies, I guess you could say, like on the weekend, because, you know, we're out at the baseball fields for his baseball. And then like, finally, we're done podcasting. And then you just want to get in your cozies and yeah plop on the couch up, but right. it was fun getting out it was it was good yeah um what uh, I, I just took my business trip finally home was gone for like three days so yes, uh were. thanks for holding down the fort i was happy to do it yeah you did a fine job did you enjoy it like you do sometimes it like, was hectic oh. um there was a lot going on so yeah. there wasn't really much time to just kind of kick back and enjoy it per se yeah i think it's always good to have you know a little time away here and there from the partner and yeah you know, do your own thing here and listen to what you want or watch what you want on TV, not have a person snoring next to you. Oh, so you slept better. Did you have uh, actually-, actually no. My sleep scores were one of the nights you were gone, they were really good. Oh. But then one of the nights you were gone, they were terrible. So, so if I, it's not your fault. I should probably stay away for like a month so we no. can get like a good scientific information. Like, no. no. Okay. No. You like me there. I do. I like you here, That's Mike. Good. That's I do. Good. Um, I just want to say thank you to all of our listeners and stuff. We're up to like 49 patrons now. So if you want to be the 50th, go ahead and sign up. Yeah, you could be lucky number 50. Yeah, but I want to say thanks for all those reviews. If you listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Audible, um, Amazon Audible, um, this particular review is uh, from uh, uh, Christy. 
It says, love, love, love. I love listening to you both. Mike, I love your dirty yet humorous mind. So, Christy, hopefully you didn't mind that uh, breaking wind Breaking comment. wind. Um, I love saying that, by the way. It's and, like, again, that's something like an old person would be like, oh, I broke wind. Right. I thought that would be funny. So and I uh, nailed it, by the way. Nailed it. And well, Allison, love the Amazon reviews you do. I've gotten a few Amazon items for you, so thanks. You both make me laugh, and I appreciate your down-to-earth chat before you go into the stories. Love how you both tell stories, though, Allison, you're my favorite as you tell the story so flawlessly. <gasps> Oh, thank you. I'd have to agree. Um, Allison also does much better on the TikTok side of things. I think I've done like four TikToks and they get like almost no views. Oh, stop it. Yours, yours, yours uh, fire up. So yeah, I, I throw a little curveball in here. You know, something a little bit different. So I got a, I got a story coming up. You guys will, uh, you guys will enjoy I'm it. I'm excited because I know nothing about it. Yeah. Um, I've listened to all your episodes and I promise when I can afford it, I will become a Patreon, but just not able to do so yet, which is totally cool. Don't worry about it. Yeah, um, we get it. Yeah. Thanks again for making me love your podcast. You're my first podcast I've ever listened to, and I'm hooked. So super awesome. Thank you so much yeah, for your Yeah, we really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, and every review helps us out. It's a great free way to help us out. So mm-hmm. thank you so much. And it, it, you know, all the Apple Podcasts and Spotify, they look at us more, and we're taking off on Spotify. So, hey. Thanks a lot, Spotify. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, anything else to add here, young lady? I don't think so. Okay, you look lovely. So. Aw, you're so sweet. Thank you. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you. Even though you break wind in the tiny office. Well, I think I made my way back, so I'm feeling Bastard. pretty good about myself. Yeah. <laughs> this is what twenty, almost 21 years of marriage looks like. How many How many expletives did you call me in this episode alone? I think a-hole. Uh, did you I think drop that's an it. F-bomb? No, I, okay. I, yeah, I think I did. Probably. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll in my rage, tip. I kind of blacked out. Yeah, we'll review. That happens a lot. Yeah. <laughs> what did you used to call farts? Um, you, you used to say something, and I was like, don't ever say that again. No idea. Maybe we'll and, think about And it. also, while we were setting up the office, you were singing the thong song oh i haven't heard that in a long oh why did we God. why did that come up i i think i was humming it or something oh no we were talking about reason. dump trucks we talked about <gasps> dump trucks big butts yes. and our yeah. daughter was like is there a song that says dump trucks i'm like dumps like a truck what what good baby me your butt but let me sing it again she got dumps like a truck <laughs> and i was truck, like truck. oh i hated that song so much and now it's in my head so now it's in your head Enjoy. all right so on that note we're gonna go ahead on literally on that note all night long We're going to go ahead and get started here, Mike. So bring it in. Reel it in. Here we go. So this is a listener suggestion. Um, Actually, it's my coworker, a friend of hers that I've actually never met, but I hear a lot of nice things about. She suggested this case. Thank you, Maria. This is the Idaho College Murders. and Oh, this is the big one. It And I'm sure all of us have heard of this in some way, shape, or form. I have to tell you that lately I have not been up to date on news because I'm working out in the morning and I'm working and I'm rushing off to work. And I think a lot of us have maybe heard bits and pieces of mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah. I've, I've heard zero. So, but yeah, there's, you want to put it all together. So you have yes. everything up to date as of right now. That's actually exactly how I pictured it. There's probably a lot of pieces here and there. We're going to put them all together and make a, a jigsaw puzzle, puzzle here. Okay. It's not going to be pretty. So in an off-campus home in Moscow, Idaho, at the University of Idaho, and it's interesting because I wasn't sure how they pronounced it. It's actually spelled just like Russia, M-O-S-C-O-W, but they pronounce it Moscow. Interesting. Um, So at the University of Idaho, five girlfriends lived together on King Road. It was 21-year-old Madison or Maddie Mogan, who was a senior. She was majoring in marketing. Her best friend, 21-year-old, also a senior, Kaylee Gonsalves, who majored in general studies. 20-year-old Zanna Kernodal, she was a junior and a marketing major, and two other girls who, they only recently came forward and gave their names and showed their pictures and all of that. This is Dylan Mortensen and Bethany Funk. 
On the night of Saturday, November 12th, 2022, Maddie and Kaylee headed out to the Corner Club, which is a sports bar in Moscow, Idaho. The two were considered the inseparable duo. Maddie was described as compassionate and happy-go-lucky, while Kaylee was said to be very strong and driven. Zana and her boyfriend, 20-year-old Ethan Chapin, headed out to the Sigma Chi house where Ethan was a member. Friends said that they were the perfect pair and had an unstoppable loving relationship, which I think at age 21, it's so refreshing and lovely to see like a solid relationship of two people who are in love. It's just so heartwarming to me. I'm just like, oh, I love young love. I love love. Exactly. Especially when it's young and there's just so much ahead. The two other roommates, Dylan and Bethany, also went out that night in Moscow, or I'm sorry, Moscow, and Zana and Ethan, they saw them at the fraternity house. So at some point in time, they themselves made it over to the Sigma Chi house, and they remember seeing Zana and Ethan right around 9 p.m. that night. So video footage from the Corner Club showed Maddie and Kaylee there between 10 p.m. and 1.30 a.m. They were later seen on video at Grub Truck, which is a local food truck. They were seen on this uh, footage at around 1.40 in the morning. Grub Truck is interesting. They have live stream video on Twitch, so it's just constantly streaming from what's going on in front of their truck. That's kind of cool because then you can kind of see if your friends are there. You mm-hmm. can pop on, look at Twitch, be like, oh, yeah, look who's there. Yeah. And I was saying to you, I'm like, that's kind of interesting because like if I don't want somebody to know where I am, poof, there I am. On you don't the, go to the grub truck. Stream. I guess not. And, you know, with it, you can actually hear the audio like I could hear what they ordered that night. Hmm. So they ordered their food. They got it. And then they used a private person to get them home at about 1.56 a.m. in the early morning hours of now Sunday, November 13th. Zana and Ethan arrived home just about this time as well. Ethan didn't live at the house. He was just staying the night with Zana. I could very closely relate to this because we Mike and that. I went to college together. Yep, did that quite a bit. So um, I never stayed at your house because it was an absolute shithole. Yeah, it turns out I didn't learn that you had to wash your sheets like more than every six months. Yeah, we didn't wash sheets. We didn't clean bathrooms. So Mike would sometimes spend the night at my place. So and that's what Ethan was surprisingly, doing. Surprisingly, that was always nice and clean. Yeah, exactly. So um, D- Dylan and Bethany had returned home right around 1 a.m. So we're all home now, 1, 1.45 in the morning. At approximately 4 a.m., Zana received a contactless DoorDash delivery to the house. It was left on the porch. And that's like, you know, that, that's typical in a college town. You know, mm-hmm. you've got all these restaurants open all night long because everybody's out sure. drinking and partying, doing whatever. And 4 a.m. DoorDash delivery sounds absolutely insane as a person living in the suburbs. 4 a.m. is when I start my morning for work. Right. So... You know, it's just the difference between a 20-year-old and a 40-year-old. So this is typical. Like you said, restaurants are making their money at this time because people are wanting to absorb the alcohol they've consumed and get some food in their stomachs. So Bethany was asleep in her bedroom on the east side of the first floor of the home. Dylan was asleep in her bedroom on the southeast side of the second floor. She woke up around this four o'clock hour. She heard what she thought was Kaylee playing with her dog, Murphy. And Kaylee would be up on the third floor. So one floor above where Dylan is at this point. She heard her, you know, playing around with her dog. And then a short time later, she heard who she thought was Kaylee say something to the effect of, there's someone here. But it could have been Zana on her phone as records show that she was on TikTok at around 4.12 a.m. 
At 4.17 a.m., a security camera from a neighbor's house located less than 50 feet from the west wall of where Zana's room was picked up a distorted audio of what sounded like voices or a whimper, followed by a loud thud. A dog was also barking during this audio clippage. Dylan looked out of her bedroom when she heard a comment about someone being there, but she didn't see anything. She opened the door a second time when she thought she heard crying coming from Zana's room because Dylan was on the same floor as Zana, so she'd be able to hear more clearly to, to Zana's room. At that point, she heard a male's voice say something like, it's okay, I'm going to help you. Again, you know, there was a male in the house. Ethan was there. Right. So, you know, it's four in the morning and and maybe Zana had, you know, fallen or something or whatever. Mm -hmm. So when she heard this, she opened her door now for a third time and she actually saw a man wearing black clothes and a mask that covered his mouth and nose. He was walking towards her. He was described as five foot ten or taller. He was a male. He was not very muscular, but he was athletically built and with bushy eyebrows. He walked past her as she stood frozen in shock as he headed toward the back sliding glass door. She didn't recognize this person and quickly locked herself in her bedroom. This is when investigators believe that the murderer left the scene. Hey guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Bloody FM presents Hometown Ghost Stories, a paranormal podcast that investigates a new town every week bringing you all the hauntings, from haunted houses to castles, bridges to asylums, wandering spirits to demons. Over 100 episodes covering different towns all over the world. Tune in to Hometown Ghost Stories live on YouTube every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern or on any podcast platform and find out if your hometown is haunted. Wow, so she watched the murder. She the murderer literally was walking towards her walked past her and exited through the sliding glass door so he was after somebody i'm guessing xana or something um we we don't so know. he saw her knew that he could kill her and i am not a hundred percent certain if he saw her he literally walked past her okay so she clearly saw him she was able to very clearly define his build his height the fact that he had bushy eyebrows and it wasn't dark enough where she didn't know if she, he she knew him or not she did not know him she factually. knew she did not know him she saw that he had these bushy eyebrows okay makes a lot of sense so so i imagine it it couldn't have been pitch black because okay. she saw f- certain features based on all of the gathered information investigators believe that the murders occurred between 4 and four twenty-five in the morning later that morning dylan and bethany called friends to the house because they thought that one of their roommates from the second floor, who had to be Zana, because she was the only roommate that lived on that floor, had passed out and wasn't waking up. At 11.58 on November, um, I'm sorry, 11.58 in the morning on November 13th, police received a 911 call from one of the roommate's phones. They didn't specify whether it was Dylan's or Bethany's. They were requesting help for an unconscious person. Responding officers found four deceased victims at the house. Wow. Police were obviously confused as to why it took eight hours for them to be called because 
you know, Dylan's explaining what happened. And that's where they're getting this four to 425 in the morning that approximately during this time is when the murders happen. And Dylan is explaining that she saw this man. But then they're not getting a call until almost noon, eight hours later. So they're like, what the hell happened between then? Yeah, so they were confused. They were unsure if it was an issue of intoxication and or fear. Well, I mean, I'm sure she probably just locked herself in the room, passed out, and then, you know, 10 o'clock rolls around. You know, you're kind of stretching in bed, kind of maybe forgot the night before, you know, mm-hmm. blacked out. Who knows? You know, we all know that they were out. I, you know, nobody knows what was consumed. Nothing like that. And there's no judgment. They're all college-age children. You know, they're allowed to be drinking. Um, but I wouldn't call them children then. Well, 2021, let's say that. So maybe not legal age, but, you know, we all know what happens on college campuses. Let's just say that. Um, I don't know whether intoxication was a thing or not. Um, Also, something that I read is that you don't expect for there to be a murderer in your house. That's just not something that your brain goes to. They actually brought up a woman who's now around like 50 years old when she was in college something happened to this effect to her. She thought when she called 911 that her roommate had literally choked on her vomit. She did not, in her brain's eye, recognize that there was actually blood all over the room because it's not something you expect to see there. So it's like she didn't even see it. Well, if you're drunk, like your brain is just trying to basically keep you alive and get you into your bed. You know, that's all you're thinking. So, you know, who knows what Dylan saw at the point. Yeah, and then... I'm surprised she remembers it because mm-hmm. she was able to talk about it. So obviously she didn't black out. Right. And but, and again, we can't say what happened because I don't even know if she was drinking that night. I don't know. True. But I'm just saying it's like sometimes your brain doesn't put things together because it's not what you expect. She's in college. Could this be some sort of fraternity praying? Could this be a boy that was going to hang out with somebody in the house, you know, and being, you know, weird about it and putting it was it's a cold climate. Maybe people wear ski masks. I don't know. <laughs> right. But regardless, they don't feel that an earlier call would have saved any of the victims' lives. After she saw him, she didn't hear any movement in the house. She didn't hear anyone crying out. Odds are they were quickly deceased after he left. How? I mean, I'm sure you're going to go into how they were killed. And yes. Everything. Okay. At approximately 4 p.m. on the 13th, Sergeant Blaker from the Moscow PD responded to the home to process the crime scene. There was no sign of forced entry. So we don't exactly know, you know, did he come through the front door? I'm not entirely sure about that, but he did not break into the house from what I've read. Did they know if the doors were unlocked? We do not know because okay. we know that a DoorDash delivery was left on the porch at four. Maybe they grabbed the bag of food and then forgot to lock the door behind them. Right. Who knows? So um, he entered the home on the bottom floor, walked upstairs to the second floor and down a hallway to Zana Kernodal's bedroom. Her body was laying on the floor with wounds that appeared to be caused by an edged weapon, something like a knife. Knife, yeah. Ethan was also in the same room. He was also deceased from sharp force injuries. Sergeant Blaker then made his way to the third floor that contained two bedrooms and one bathroom. In Kaylee's bedroom, officers found her dog, Murphy, that she shared with her ex-boyfriend. Thankfully, Murphy was unharmed. As they entered Maddie's room, they found both her and Kaylee deceased, again, from visible stab wounds, just like Ethan and Zana. Mm-hmm. They located a tan leather knife sheath laying on the bed right next to Maddie. Wow, that's sloppy. Yes. <laughs> so it had um, stampings on the side of the leather. <laughs> Are they going to be initials? It was 
I don't know if it's a brand, but it's like KA-Bar, B-A-R. Hmm. And then the USMC um, insignia for the United... Insignia is what I meant to say. And the United States Marine Corps Eagle Globe and Anchor stamped on the outside. The Idaho State Lab later found a single source of male DNA on the button snap of the knife sheath. Male DNA. So So it could have been blood or semen. Some sort of DNA. It could have been skin. I don't know. But regardless, the murderer literally left the knife sheath next to Maddie's body with his DNA on it. It looks like K-Bar is a brand. Okay. That's what I was wondering. K-Bar. So... They also found a latent shoe print that had diamond-shaped pattern similar to what would be on Van's shoe soles. Mm-hmm. It was on the outside door of Dylan's bedroom on the second floor, which is consistent with the statement about the path she said he took. So from the beginning, police believed they said to the press, like just days later, that this was an isolated, targeted attack. But they didn't clarify why. And of course, you know, the victim's parents are just beyond devastated. Of course, they're out, you know, in college and, you know, they're getting into hijinks and all that stuff. But you hope the best for your kids, just like any other parents. And, you know, you think safety in numbers. Mm -hmm. They're all here. And unfortunately, all four of them are deceased. Now, that's so odd that Dylan and Bethany were fine. Were fine. Totally like, how, unharmed. He literally walked right past Dylan. Do they have any idea who he went after first? No. Okay. There's still a lot of unanswered questions because, again, this is still all coming out. Yeah. So they didn't clarify why they thought it was isolated and, and you know, it was targeted. They later backtracked, and when I say later, it was like all quickly. They said that the statement was actually a miscommunication. They didn't know if any of the victims or the home had been specifically targeted. Then the following day, they released another statement saying that they did believe, again, that the attack was targeted since there were no signs of forced entry and two of the girls were left unharmed. As These people need to get their shit together. You know, again, they're all trying to get the investigation together. Well, this is their job. Yeah. I I mean, kids are kids. I get kids. You know, kids are going to make mistakes. This is the job of the police force. Get your shit together. But I mean, to me, they they really did do a good job in total. Okay. But police obtained, you know, from the get-go, they were starting to obtain video footage from the area in the early morning hours of Sunday, November 13th, all in from residential homes, businesses. They're gathering all this footage from the hours of 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. Where the house is located in the time that was being reviewed, obviously very limited number of cars are just coming and going. Not many people are out and about on a Saturday night at 4 in the morning. So it's not like they're combing through cars just passing by, passing by. So investigators began to notice a white sedan that was observed in this area passing the house multiple times. Uh, that's your target right there. There you go. It was starting at 3.29 in the morning and it ended at 4.20 a.m. Right when they thought the murders happened. They thought between 4 and 4.25 a.m. So at 4.20 in the morning, the car was leaving the area of the house at a high rate of, rate of speed. Ah, uh, okay. Boom. You got your person. So the car did not have front license plates, which um, Idaho does. Like if you were an Idaho driver, you would have both front and back plates. So good chance they're out of state. Yeah. So based on the roads that the car traveled, police believe that the person was heading towards Pullman, Washington. Again, this is mountain towns. Hmm. We don't live in the mountains, so there's cross streets everywhere. But, you know, when you're in the mountains, there's only so many roads because you're going through the mountains. So Pullman, does Washington require front license plates? Uh, Washington, I believe, does not. No. 
I, I could states, be wrong, but I will clarify are. that later. Yeah. Um, so they um, were heading towards Pullman, Washington, my bad, which was about 10 miles from where this house was. And um, they believe that it could be in the direction of Washington State University because that's basically where Pullman, Washington is. So the footage was given to a forensic examiner, and this person determined that the car was a 2011 to a 2016 Hyundai Elantra. Hey. That's what we drive. Yeah. Well, so, we have a 2018. Yes. So. Well, I'm just saying the, the make and model. So they then, of course, are beginning to investigate, okay, who in this area would be driving a white Hyundai Elantra between these years? So on November 17th, autopsies were done. They concluded that all four victims had been stabbed multiple times. It was likely that some of them were asleep when the attacks happened, but some also did have defensive wounds. Um, There was no sign of sexual assaults. 20-year-old Ethan Chapin, he majored in recreation, sport, and tourism management. His memorial service was held on November 21st. He was a triplet, born right before his sister and brother, who also attended the University of Idaho. The siblings were very close. They were considered to be best friends, the three of them. They just did everything together. That's nice. His mom, Stacy, described him as one of the most incredible people you'll ever know. He laughed continuously. He smiled when he woke up, and he was still smiling when he went to bed. He was kind to all and a friend to all. He used to work at a tulip farm, which I saw um, pictures of. It was just incredibly beautiful. And after his death, a tulip was created in his honor by mixing both yellow and white tulips together. They planted thousands of them in Washington, and they sent thousands to be planted at the university campus. That's nice. The tulip was named Ethan Smile. The yellow was for the University of Idaho, and the white was because it's an eternal color. So I just thought that that was a nice tribute to him. Yeah, that's really awesome. And then his girlfriend, Zanna Kernodal, she was described as an exceptionally focused student. She put school first. She was just driven. When she knew she wanted to get something done, she was going to get it done. She put dating second. So her family was thrilled. They thought, oh, she's never going to have a boyfriend. (laughs) You know, parents, they're always like looking for grandkids and like, well, you know, you you should think about at least getting with somebody. Yeah. (laughs) Her sister was talking. She's like, me and my dad, we're so happy. So her family was thrilled when she met Ethan and just saw how happy they were together when they started dating in the spring of 2022. Sounds like a cute couple. Steve Gons- uh, Gonsalves, I'm sorry, my bad, and his wife, Kaylee's mom, decided not to have a funeral. They feared that this person who murdered their baby girl would come out to the services and they just did not want to risk that happening. In an interview with ABC News, he said, her dad, Steve, said, you can't imagine sending your girl to college and they come back in an urn. You're numb. You cannot absorb that amount of pain and agony. Kaylee was the middle child of five siblings, and they described her as a highly motivated person, someone who was going places and always up for a challenge. She already had a job lined up in Austin for after graduation. Ultimately, she wanted to be wherever her best friend Maddie was going to be. The two of them were just like two peas in a pod. 
Were they friends for a long time? Yeah. So um, Kaylee's parents considered Maddie to be like a bonus child because they were so close, always together, inseparable since the sixth grade. That's how it is for best friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like both of our kids have friends that are pretty much our kids also. Yeah. And it's just amazing when you find like your person, someone that you could be with for like 24 seven and not get sick of them. Yeah. And it's just it's such a bond. I, I mean, it's a special thing. Yeah. So, um, you know, her dad was just remembering, thinking, you know, they went to high school together. Then they started looking at colleges together. They came here together. They eventually got into the same apartment. And in the end, they died together in the same room, in the same bed. Maddie's dad, Ben, said that she was his only child, someone who was a hard worker, nice, funny, beautiful. Maddie's boyfriend, Jake, said that she had a talent for just making people laugh. You could see she was, like, always making funny videos. Meanwhile, investigators were given access to video footage from WSU, Washington Washington State University, and found the white Elantra to be exactly where they thought it was going. So they found footage at around 2.44 a.m. before the murders. Okay. On November 13th, that was consistent with the car seen at the crime scene. That's pretty good police work. Yes. At 2.53 a.m., the car was seen heading towards Moscow, Idaho. So all consistent with when he would have then gotten to the area where they then saw him. So you've got to figure somebody that's particularly knows at least one of these girls right or or ethan or somebody probably one of the girls Um, they're all gorgeous gorgeous girls okay so it's something online or you know bumble or whatever you know dating app or whatever it might be i mean the police have to have some suspects that they're working on um so all of this is happening there's so much going on behind the scenes but Police want to keep everything close to their chest. Because it's an ongoing investigation. It's an ongoing investigation. In the meantime, the parents know nothing. Well, you you let Philip Myers know that you you're looking for him. He's going to take off. Of course, yeah, that's just a random name. Of I course, made up. yeah. So yeah, I, I totally get that. Of course, but at the same time, you know, you just want this son of a bitch found. Of so, course, you know. But in the meantime, the parents are terrified that this is going to just be. T- you know, called a cold case. No, it won't be. This is something. This guy was sloppy. You, I, he it, left the fucking sheath. They're they're gonna find this dude. Hundred percent. Within the next month or two, this dude will be found. Okay. So meanwhile, investigators were given access. Okay. So I said this. So they're seeing this car exactly in the location where they thought they would would find it. At approximately five twenty five a.m., the car was seen on five cameras in Pullman, Washington. So this would have been back after the murders. On the WSU campus. I'm this guy. (laughs) They know exactly who this is. Yeah. So on November 25th, 2022, area law enforcement was asked to be on the lookout for a white Hyundai Elantra. On November 29th, 2022, WSU police officer Daniel Tango tracked white Elantras that had been registered at WSU and found a 2015 white Elantra with Pennsylvania plates that were registered to Brian Koberger. Mother, I, yeah, I'm, okay, well, good job. He lived in an apartment in Pullman, Washington, approximately three-fourths of a mile from the intersection where the last camera caught sight of his car. This This same day, November 29th, WSU officer Curtis Whitman was on the lookout for the car and located this 2015 white Hyundai Elantra in the parking lot of an apartment complex that houses WSU students. Officer Whitman ran the plates that came back to Brian Koberger with Washington tags. I'm sorry, with a Washington tag. 
The driver's license information and the photo were reviewed and indicated that he's six foot tall, 185 pounds. So if you'll remember, Dylan said he was somewhere around five foot ten. Wait, you said Washington tags or Pennsylvania tags? He at this point has Washington tags. He had literally like just switched switched them. Yes. So he was a white male. His photo showed that lo and behold, he has bushy eyebrows. Okay. Um, his physical description is basically spot on consistent with what Dylan provided. Okay, so they got their guy. Yes. So on further investigation, but of course, when this is happening, they want to get as much as they can like solidly get before well, they, they ha- make their move. Yeah, they have to make sure that because once he's found, everything's kind of off the table. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like everything comes to a pause. Um, so they almost want to catch him doing something or, you know, like emailing about something or tap his phones. Cause, or like, gather more evidence. Yeah. He, they want to hear him saying to somebody like, yeah, I killed those girls or whatever. Like, do you want to get this guy so that you know, the case against him is you know hard, like a right. really nice case? Right. So on further investigation, they're looking all into this guy. He had t- turned out he had been pulled out, out over at a traffic stop that was recorded on body camera on August 21st, 2022. Turns out this guy gets pulled over quite a bit. I mean, hmm. he must be a real shit driver. So he was pulled over in Moscow, Idaho. He was the sole occupant of this car. It was noted that he had Pennsylvania plates at this time. They were set to expire on November 30th. On October 14th, he was stopped again, this time by a WSU officer, again, the sole occupant of the car. Again, he had Pennsylvania plates. So he's making trips between Idaho Mm -hmm. and WSU. Yeah. And again, it is a short drive. It's like, you know, 10 miles, I think I said. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's... um, So these two colleges probably party together. I would assume so. Okay. Yeah. So um, on November 18th, he received Washington plates because, again, they were the Pennsylvania ones were set to expire. They require front and back plates to be displayed versus Pennsylvania ones, which only require the back plates. So, and so the murders happened to the 13th. Yes. He got new license plates the 30th. on the 30th or mm-hmm. 18th, actually. I'm sorry. Yes, the 18th. So just five days later. Okay. So on December 13th, 2022, this same car was captured in Loma, Colorado. So now he's like moving about. And later again in Hancock County, Indiana on December 15th. And then finally in Albrightsville, Pennsylvania on December 16th. What a dumbass. It was later discovered. But again, this is right around the holidays. This is right before Thanksgiving. Okay. That we're looking Thanksgiving Christmas. So this this is now before Christmas. Um, it was later discovered that Brian and his dad took a pre-planned cross-country trip together. They traveled about 2,500 miles, basically starting in the Idaho area, Washington, all the way across the country to Pennsylvania. So his parents live in Pennsylvania? Yes. Okay, and they plan to drive home for the holidays. Yes. And, um, you know, Brian was raised in Pennsylvania. So during the trip, he was pulled over twice on December 15th, east of Indianapolis, The first time for following a van too closely, he was tailgating. And then only nine minutes later, he was pulled over by another officer for speeding. You got a picture. I mean, to be able to be pulled over for tailgating, you have to be really aggressively tailgating. Yes. Like, we've all kind of been close to other cars, but, like, he must have some kind of a, like... Road rage type of deal? Yeah, road rage. Absolutely. So, um, both times that he was pulled over, you know, you could see the body cam footage, but at the time there was no information that would have led to his arrest. So these officers are pulling him over, not knowing a thing about what was going on. Why would they? Yeah. No, they wouldn't. So both times they were released with a verbal warning. 
Based on information through the WSU website, police discovered that Koberger is a 28-year-old PhD student in criminology at WSU. He has an undergraduate degree in psychology and cloud-based forensics. Mm. He's also a teaching assistant at WSU, and he had been a student there since August. Well, I want to hear about his connection with these girls. So records also show that he wrote an essay when he applied for an internship with the Pullman PD in the fall of 2022. So he was like very interested, obviously, in police and, and crimes and all of that. Mm-hmm. In his essay, he wrote that he had an interest in assisting rural law enforcement agencies with how to better collect and analyze technological data in public safety operations. He also posted a Reddit survey asking participants to provide information to understand how emotions and uh, psychological traits influence decision making when committing a crime. So basically, like what the mindset of somebody is you know, when they're thinking about committing a crime, which for his, some, for probably for his own knowledge. Yeah. A college classmate of Koberger described him as someone who was comfortable around others and eagerly participated in class. He did notice, though, that after the murders, Koberger looked tired and disheveled and seemed chattier than usual. Like he was kind of like nervous chatter, perhaps. Interesting. So, I mean, you definitely get the lack of sleep thing because you just killed some people and took their lives because you're an absolute piece of shit. Um, but the chatty thing, interesting, just nervous, general nervousness mm-hmm. of being caught, probably always looking over his shoulder. Right. Looking I'm for sure cops. he was just like waiting. And you can't tell me he didn't realize that his knife sheath had been left behind. You yeah. stupid asshole. You, thank God you're a stupid asshole. People from high school said that he was an overweight kid, which is interesting because if you see him in his, you know, news footage, he's like very thin. Hmm. So they said he got bullied bullied a lot, but in the beginning of senior year, classmates noted that he had drastically changed. He lost at least 100 pounds, almost unrecognizable, rail thin. So he went from being overweight to like like extremely thin Mm. at this point people claim that he had started to become a bully himself and more aggressive he also began using drugs specifically what i read was heroin oh wow that's major league yeah and i do know he also became a vegan so you know whatever (laughs) well you want to go vegan but you're okay with injecting uh, heroin well i don't know at what point that happened but he did get clean from the drugs i don't know how long he was using i apologize to any vegans who are currently using heroin if that's your thing go for it Um, just not too much because yeah it's bad for you yeah heroin's not so good so he did get into recovery. He became sober, sober, and then that's where he started to put his focus onto criminology studies. At what point he came became vegan, I don't know. So only months before the murders, Koberger was interviewed by the then chief of the Pullman PD, Gary Jenkins, about a research research assistantship for a public safety position in April of 2022. It's not clear if he was ever offered this position. Search warrants are then being obtained. Um, for cell phones. So they wanted to utilize the cell phones in pro- close proximity to the house on King Road. Triangulation. Exactly. On November 13th, between 3 and 5 a.m., Koberger's phone did not utilize cell towers in close proximity to the house between these hours. It's assumed, obviously, knowing what he was coming out there to do, he either shut his phone off or he left it at home or wherever. Okay. 
But history shows that criminals often survey this area where they're going to go and commit a crime before they actually do it. 100%. During those times, they're not planning on committing the crime. They take their phones with them. They don't turn them off. Smart, smart. So now, on December 23rd, they're getting search warrants to look at the records. um, Previous. Previous as well. So this is all happening around this time. So they were looking specifically, though, now they're looking for the day before the crimes, November 12th at 12 a.m. and November 14th. So they're looking between those times, 24 hours before and after the murders. Records show that on 2.47 a.m. on the 13th, which was the morning of the murders, Koberger left his apartment complex. So they know he's on the move. Of course, they saw the car on the footage. Right. But they're just wanting to tie that this is the car they saw. Yeah, you can't say necessarily. You know Mm -hmm. it was a white Hyundai Elantra. You don't know it was his. So they're tying what they saw with the car to the cell phone. So um, it's all it's all falling into place. So they saw that they left. He left his apartment complex via the cell phone. It moved in a consistent manner of what the video surveillance showed the white Elantra on the night of the murders. The phone stopped reporting to the network almost immediately. So he basically left his apartment complex and shut it off. Got it. Um, it did not return to the network until 4.48 a.m., which would have been consistent. They saw him speed away from the home at 4.20 in the morning. He powered his phone back on at 4.48 a.m., in which time it utilized the network south of Moscow near Blaine, Idaho, until it traveled back to his apartment complex at 5.27 a.m. The movement is consistent with exactly what was seen on the surveillance. So further review showed that he was in the location of the King Road house only five hours after he had killed the victims that morning. He was over in that area between 9.12 and 9.21 a.m. My guess is he went back to see if there was any police activity happening yet. So now they're getting search warrants for further footage here. Still, uh, that doesn't incriminate him at all. No. So So now they're getting, um, for December 23rd, they're looking at records that go from June 23rd, so summertime to the present time, to see if he was scoping the area out beforehand, perhaps stalking one of the victims. So they saw that his cell phone was in the area of the King Road home at least 12 times during this time. And every single time except for one, it was always the late evening or early morning, like creeping hours. Okay. So he was definitely had his sights set on that that house. They didn't say when he started going, but at least 12 times he went beforehand. Okay. So on December 27th, Pennsylvania agents recovered the trash from his parents' home. Of course, they're looking for DNA. They're in Albrightsville, Pennsylvania. It's kind of cool how they can do that. You know, it's trash. So it's technically like public access. Mm-hmm. It's out it's out and available for anybody. Yep. So you don't need a search warrant to go through that. Nope. So the next day, the lab reported that the DNA from the trash that was obtained from the knife knife sheath, I have the hardest time saying that word, identified a male as not being excluded as the biological father of the suspect with 99.9998% certainty. The knife matched the garbage from his parents' house. Yeah. It was his dad's DNA that they tested. Huh. With that, an arrest warrant. Now they're like, all right, we're moving in on the son of a bitch. So it was requested on December 29th. They requested this arrest warrant. So a neighbor of Koberger, he, you know, in the DNA, they're talking about that. He remembers having a conversation with him. And he had said that he had submitted his DNA for genetic testing months before the murder. So I'm Uh sure his DNA is also out there. But 
Um, he said that just while, well, you know, while they were talking, he said, yeah, and you know what? He actually brought up the murders to me in a conversation. Ah, getting off on it. Yeah. He said, you know, have you heard about it? He said, it seemed like there were no leads and that it was probably a crime of passion. That's what he told his neighbor. Proudly. So he was arrested on December 30th, the day after they obtained the warrant for his arrest. He was arrested at his parents' Pennsylvania Pocono Mountain home in the early morning hours for four counts of first-degree murder and burglary. Could you imagine like being parents and sitting there at Christmas time, New Year's, and just hanging out with your son, and then all of a sudden cops come in, and it's like, mm-hmm. we're arresting your son for four counts of murder. They're like, no, it couldn't be right. No, no. Yeah, right. I wonder if his parents have said anything. Probably not. No, they have. You know, oh. They've expressed their deepest condolences and their apologies to, not even apologies, but more condolences they think that they're gonna find justice that their son is not responsible for this <laughs> not a fucking not a chance fucking chance it, keep dreaming i mean I, I i can't imagine how that would feel but you got to see reality as well i can't imagine that's what actually i was talking to my coworker about yesterday just how devastating it could be we talked about this in our last episode to find out that your child could be capable of of going into a home and slaughtering four kids to death. Yeah. Like I, you, how is the child I raised capable of such a thing? Well, I just hope that they, you know, Pennsylvania, there's a lot of money in Pennsylvania. So I, yeah. I hope they don't hire some hotshot lawyer that can like get them off on some like little thing. I can't know? imagine how. But um, he was arrested, like I said, and then on January 3rd, during his court appearance in Monroe County, Pennsylvania, he agreed to be extradited to Idaho. He was moved the following day on January 4th. He made his first court appearance in Moscow on the 5th as Kaylee's parents sat there staring him down as he wore his bright orange jumpsuit with no shackles. As charges were read for each victim, the judge said that each was stabbed and murdered with premeditation, with malice and forethought. As their child's name was read, each family member was overcome with grief. Koberger chose to have a a court-appointed attorney. Then classes wow. um, at the University of Idaho campus, they came back January 11th. Ethan's two siblings also returned at this date. They said that about a fourth of the students chose not to return and to do the rest of their semester remotely. Wow. Which, you know. Were I'm, they all scared or like out of like support of their fellow I'm students? sure it was traumatic yeah. because it's one of those things like this could this could happen to any of us. Could have been any of those houses. Somebody could have just walked in and killed anybody. Right. Yeah. And it was discovered that, you know, as they're trying to figure out who was he he focused on it was discovered that brian had eaten at the mad greek restaurant in moscow where maddie and Zana both worked he had eaten there at least twice before the murders that they just can even remember and pin him down to they were servers there at the mad greek but um they don't know for sure if they waited on them uh, on him when he ate there so they're trying to find a connection that's the only mm-hmm. one they can find so far. not yet there's uh, there's a little bit okay, just a little good. bit more okay um you i know, know there's a lot more that the police oh, know there's they i'm sure a lot more, more. Yeah. but this is what i know right and what's out there. So um, you, somebody was interviewed. They said, you know, he ordered a vegan pizza both times that he was there. Nothing suspicious seemed anything about him. Um, but he did stand out in the fact that he really examined his food, making sure it didn't come into any kind of cross-contamination with animal products. That's just how he remembered this guy, this person that was being, you know, talked to. There was also another connection 
that he has now deleted Instagram account also show that he once followed Maddie, Kaylee, and Zana. They did not follow him back. In late October, he sent a message to one of the victims. Mm. So we don't know which one. When they didn't respond back, he sent several more messages. It's not yet clear if the victim even viewed the messages or were even aware of his existence. Um, I'm sure they read the messages or whatever, um, but... So we don't know who he sent it to or what it said. We do not know. They said that the review of the messages didn't indicate that he was getting frustrated or seemed angry about the lack of response. Uh, It didn't seem like he... It did not. Okay. And I mean, the police know one way or another whether these were read or looked at and not viewed as read. You know, because on Instagram, you can pull things down and kind of see what people say generally and just like chose not to actually click into it, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, that's, that's interesting. So they said he didn't seem, you know, to be getting angry or anything, but he was very persistent is what they they posted. Well, yeah, because he's a psychopath. A search of Brian's office in the Department of Criminal Justice and Criminology found nothing. Nothing was uh, like seized from there, but they did go to his apartment and police found multiple things. They found a single black disposable glove, like a nitrite type glove, Um, eight possible. Like the ones that cooks wear. Uh, yeah yeah, i got like almost like a medical rubber glove but black yeah um eight possible hair strands a single possible animal hair strand and again remember that kaylee had her dog there so if that matches that's good i mean you know good but yeah they they have more information he was there to tie him to that scene yeah not that i mean to me the dna on the the knife sheath that was found next to maddie's body pretty the fact that his car you know, it's consistent with the cell phone tracking. And um, I, I imagine he's pleading. Is there pleads yet or like, you know, whatever? Um, I'll keep reading. Okay. So they found, you know, other possible hairs. They found a computer tower. So maybe they'll find, you know, more specific information on that. Um, you know, they're expecting that there's got to be a lot of blood that he, that he was covered in when he left because the scene was just horrific at the, the scene mm. of the crime. So, of course, they're looking for blood at the place, at the apartment. Clothes, mm-hmm. yeah, looking at everything. They did find a dark red spot, two cuttings from uncased pillows with reddish brown stains and mattress covers with multiple stains. So, you know, hopefully this will solidify more DNA that it's a locked and loaded you know please god. open and close please god find somebody's dna on his yes. stuff yeah at Koberger's status hearing on january 12th he waived his right to a speedy trial which would have set his pl- preliminary hearing within 14 days his attorney is wanting more time to review all of the evidence and the preliminary hearing is now scheduled for june 26th he has not yet entered a plea okay in the meantime he's being held at the Lataw county jail Public defender Ann Taylor will be representing Koberger, which is interesting because she previously represented the father and stepmother of Maddie Mogan, as well as Zana Carnoto's mom. Court really? documents show that she literally dropped Zana's mom as a client on January 5th, which is the same day she took on Koberger's case. She was representing Zana's mom on drug charges. Ah, okay. Wait, how is that even allowed? So, Isn't there a conflict of interest? That's what I would think. And they did say because she has ties to the victim's families, concerns have been raised. 
but nothing has changed. She is still his attorney. So students at the University of Idaho, they have launched a fundraiser. They're selling bracelets on the UI website in honor of the murder victims. They're hoping that they can raise money with a goal of building a permanent memorial on campus for the victims. So that's basically where we stand at this point in time with this whole case. That's uh, absolutely. The victim should be remembered. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, yeah, I'm sure they'll figure something out. But, um, you know, they went to school there. They they played a huge role on the campus. That's the, That's where they spent like four years of their lives. And that's where their lives sadly ended tragically. Yeah. And that's now we have to wait till like June, June, end of June. <laughs> well, I mean, it gives the police a lot of time to bring all this stuff together. Mm-hmm. It's, I bet they can nail it. Now, the only thing that worries me is this Brian guy knew his way around criminology and stuff. But I hope that he didn't delete st- things. But again, yeah, he seems pretty sloppy. He seems like exceptionally sloppy. The, there's so many things. It's not even just the fact that he left his own DNA on the, the knife sheath there, but the fact that he, you had to have known your car would have been seen right there. He was like circling back and forth in front of the house at least three to four times. Yeah. Like, you don't, everybody knows nowadays there's cameras everywhere. You know, it's four in the morning. Yeah. Like, I, we see your car. There's a good amount of security on most campuses. You know, car, cameras everywhere. You know, you have those towers that, you know, you can press if there's any emergencies or yeah. whatever. But we know that all businesses and homes have cameras. Yeah. So I just, I don't think, as much as he was, like, smart going to school to be a PhD in criminology, he seemed like a real idiot to me. Yeah, street smarts, not so much. Thankfully that he was. And thank God, like, I thank God he chose not to kill Dylan or Bethany. Right. That's amazing. Which is amazing. And I don't mean to put any shade on Dylan about the whole 911 thing, because I can't imagine the trauma those two girls must be living through to think that a murderer came into their home in the middle of the night and just destroyed all of their friends and somehow they were left to survive. And then now they have this guilt, oh, I'm sure. The, and Bethany guilt of being... slept through the whole thing. She heard not a thing because she was on the bottom floor. Yeah. And, you know, I just, my heart goes out to Dylan. I'm so curious how Brian knew everybody and why he you know targeted them left the others like there had to be something well he was they did not mention that he was friends with bethany or dylan on instagram they specifically named the other maddie kaylee zana and Ethan just so happened to be there he was in the room with zana gosh and yeah of course anybody there you're gonna Mm -hmm. get in harm's way with um and I can't, like, they got to have found some kind of DNA somewhere. Well, again, they fighting. seized all the stuff from his apartment. There might, like I said, if they find the victim's blood in his apartment, I mean, that's the end of it. Open and shut. It's op- There's nothing else you could say. Well, you could say that, yeah, I knew them. And they came over sometimes. and No, they the, bled from on the my, blood. Yeah, well, they bled on my sheets or what. I don't know. There's yeah. absolutely no evidence to believe that those girls knew him. They weren't friends with him on Instagram. He followed them. Good point. Great point. So there's yeah. no reason why those girls should have ever been in his apartment. I mean, any jury is going to be like, this guy's done. Yeah. Good, <laughs> no. Nice try, asshole. Yeah. See you later. So I know it's the whole innocent until proven guilty, but. But guilty. So yeah. yeah. In, my, in my book. Brian uh, Koberger's guilty and he's a murderer. Yeah. Um, allegedly. And just looking at his eyes online, just give me the chills down my back to think that 
such a monster could exist. And his bullshit bushy eyebrows. His bullshit bushy eyebrows. And then they throw in and they're um adhering to his vegan diet and in, in the jail. It's like, well, good for Brian. Like yeah, I'm so glad they're taking good care of him. I'm glad you're cared for. Well, her. don't worry. I'm sure it's absolute bottom of the rung uh, vegetables and things. Like he's yeah, gonna here's get your canned green shitty beans. Ass green yeah, beans here's some Brian. canned green beans every single day. It's vegan. Yeah. And enjoy you the dickhead. extra sodium and I hope you dehydrate and die. <laughs> shitbag so all right well thank you for telling us and updating us i had no idea about this whole thing so i we did have a lot of people suggesting it so yeah hopefully hopefully allison did an all right job there. i hope so and uh, the victims deserve yeah everything <sighs> yeah my heart goes out to them to their families oh just tragic it made me sick yeah so well um i want to say thanks to everybody for listening if you like what you hear and you want more episodes i think we have like 18 bonus episodes now so maybe even 19 it's climbing yeah every other week we release another bonus episode if you're a level two patron you get all of them if you're a level one patron you get one per month so just want to shout out to our patrons over here colleen lily karen nadine ally michael kayla dominic brian shannon elizabeth mandy alana vivian trisha lauren megan jamie chastity elizabeth emily Kathy, Ava, Jovi, Eileen, Misty, uh, Rochelle, Destiny, Ellie, Sherry, Melanie, Bettina, Rebecca, Gabrielle, Angela, Sabrina, Sandra, Taylor, Dana, Allison, Ashley, Mindy, Sandy, Justine, Lauren, Heather, Louise, Jasmine, and Bex. You guys are awesome. That's 49, man. Who wants to be the 50th? Go ahead. Sign up. You're going to be number 50. <laughs> Maybe you'll get a prize, like a like a balloon. This or, is new to me. Something. We don't have balloons. We, we don't. I'm sorry. We don't have balloons. We're going to figure something out someday, though. So yeah. people want these uh, these coffee bugs. Yeah, they're really cool. I said that our sister-in-law made them, but you did. So No, Mike. Oh, there's so much confusion here. Oh, no. You made the t-shirt. <laughs> yes. I forget. I don't, My brain doesn't work. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. I still love you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so thanks so much for listening. We appreciate it. And tell all your friends and neighbors. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. And until next time. Bye. bye.